I'm Chuck Smeaton from the Royal Institution of Australia, and this is the Cosmos Briefing Podcast. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land wherever you are listening from today. I would also like to pay my respects to Elders past and present. Today we talk with Ian McKeon, Head of High Performance at the Port Adelaide Football Club. Off the back of the Olympics and now as we head towards the finals of the Winter Codes, maximising the performance of athletes in their chosen pursuits is front of mind. The role that sports science plays in improving performance continues to grow as people such as Ian find new ways to train the human body. Today's interview is hosted by Royal Institution of Australia Editor-in-Chief, Ian Canellan. I'm talking this afternoon to Ian McEwen, who's Head of High Performance at the Port Adelaide Football Club, and he's held that job for just on four years, Ian? Yeah, it's four years, um, but it's coming up on 10 years at the club in various oh. roles, but only four for as the head of high performance. Right, you're a lifer. <laughs> yes, I sure am. We, um, we did a story in Cosmos earlier this year about a really innovative sports science project that you were running at Port Adelaide. I wanted to follow up on that and to, to talk about how the year's gone. Uh, obviously, you guys are pretty happy. You're in the top four. Um, you're headed for finals. So um, let me just circle back to that to that work, it's uh, it's very innovative blood biomarker work that um, it, I think I've got it right. It's known as nanoscale photonics. Sounds right to me. It way smarter people than, than me to confirm it, but yeah, I think that that's right. And it's a collaboration with with external science providers that you've you've gone for. Um, I, I'm really interested to know um, if memory serves. The program was running through the early part of the season, pre-season. Has it continued into the season, Ian? Uh, no. So we we were trying to um, use the, I guess, the hardest to the highest intensity and the highest volume um, of training that we do, and that's uh, that's during there's a there's sort of like a sweet spot around that January time. Um, so probably about ten weeks out from the season starting um, when we hit we hit our peaks. Um, so that's that's what we were trying to to get the the best information and the and the most um, I guess the most elite um, transference that we could get to other um, you know to other disciplines the other um, uh, I guess subjects out there. So that was what we were aiming for. So we certainly got that during that period of time. How is the how is that information that you obtained during the trial influenced the season? Have you been able to to um, implement any of the knowledge that you gained as the seasons progressed? I guess the way that I've the way that I, I've, I've situated this project is that is that it's it's the start of a, a very long and hopefully distinguished um, uh, career as such with with the, the partners that we've got here. So this was the first and the initial pilot um, work that we were trying to look at. So if anything it was a feasibility study for everybody whether the the markers were correct, as well as the methodology um, was rigorous enough for us to actually um, one, sorry, from rigorous enough for us to actually glean some information, but then also able to be embedded in our program with a minimal amount of um, disruption. Um, so now that we've got that, 
we're not very excited about where the where this takes us. So in terms of um, the immediate impact, um, it it hasn't directly. But what I would say is that sitting in a room with the likes of Professor Hutchison and those guys that are around that program and the the, the people, the echelon of, of, of thinkers that they're dealing with, um, it's such a, that, that's the immediate impact for me and very selfishly for me and, and the rest of the performance staff at, at, at Port is that, is that we're able to sit in rooms and have these great discussions. And certainly um, I have to, Google a lot of the definitions and the terms as I go, whether it be from military or from the, the biophotonics um, world. But um, I'm slowly getting there. But I guess you know, that this is this is the start of a very long learning process for us all. You you guys at um, Port Adelaide seem to have a really bold approach to to data data driven sports science. Um, you know you you've, you've got to be open to it to have a go at it. Um, is there a, a is, is there a, a, a culture in the club that's that's really um, up for these sorts of things and 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 up for finding the edge through through data science? Yeah, look, I think my I, I'm incredibly privileged here um, to have such a, a high end support staff and um, the performance staff here are um, PhD masters caliber professionals as well as the the professional sport backgrounds that they all have so we have a um i'd like to say we've got a healthy cynicism about everything that we do and we have created a, a process over time which is i i want to say it's, it's unflappable to the to the whims of 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 tech um but we're also very um that are uh, very scrupulous about how we actually go around that. And this is where the, the exciting work that we've been doing with University of Adelaide and the other partners is that it's, it's getting away from sport science as a discipline and getting back to the first principles of, of what we're actually trying to find out. So that's you know, digging into uh, classical sciences and things where, where we're, we're generalists, um, we're expert generalists is probably the term best used for anyone that works whether it's a physio, strength and conditioning, sports scientist at a football club, where it's getting these guys that are actually true specialists um, in to talk to us and to, to you know, impart their knowledge is, is exactly where we want to go. So we have a, um, we have a, a, a very healthy respect for the data, um, but we also want to know, um, we want to answer questions in the purest fashion as well. So that, hence, the, hence the projects that we've been doing. Right. Ian, um, when, when people think about uh, about high performance and about sports science, I think most of us probably know about skin folds. But so, when you really start drilling down, what sorts of things are you looking at? What sorts of things do you consider? Um, so, yeah, look, um, in terms of measurement practices, we're trying to get the the uh, I guess as close to the gold standard as we possibly can with whatever facet of the program that we're doing, and. Uh, and, and the other key part for me is that it's it's embedded work um, with a lot of um, with a very cluttered schedule, um, and there's a lot of training load that goes through the players throughout the day, whether it's in preseason or in season, and that's that can be and that's including working in uh, working in workshops, working in reviews, previews, um, the tactical side of things as well. They can't not consider that as part of the load that these guys put themselves through cognitively as well as as the physical loads that we want so that that is certainly um something that we work towards speaking of uh, speaking of a heavy workload the noise that 
people can hear in the background is the gym, right? You're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're perfectly timed. It's sort of crashing and bashing um, yeah. <laughs> uh, just after lunchtime on a Thursday. Fantastic. Look, I, I think what I'd what I'd ask is, can can you give us an example? Um, so I, I yeah. mentioned before, you know, most of us know about about skin folds, so weight control. But what other sorts of things do you look at? Yeah. So I guess you know the, the most obvious one, and actually a recent one for us, is we're just through our last round of um, DEXA scans for the year. So that's where we'll use the information that we've got from the testing we've done this week, um, not only to set us up and make the small changes that we need to in body comp going into finals, um, which is still a, you know, it's still a six week period for us. So it's pretty intensive um, period, but then it also sets up our return dates once we come back from pre-season. So we're, we're, we're not just using skin folds anymore. We're looking at, um, I guess the gold, the gold standard of, of body comps. So getting away from, um, I guess the, the iterative process of getting down to calipers, skin calipers and um, uh, skin folds, but actually using as close to, you know, if we want to look at body comp, what's the best way to look at body comp? And that's through DEX machines at the moment. Um, the, the other information, that we, we'd be very heavy users of, of things like GPS. Um, so every, as a, we put like a small unit um, that's put in the back. Um, so we use that in, we're really fortunate in, you might see it a little bit more in sports, but we were the, AFL was a pioneer in actually getting some game data. Um, so a lot of sports weren't allowed to use GPS in games, um, and they still don't um, in, say, for example, the NFL. Oh, they didn't, but now they're, they're starting to work towards an, an equivalent. Um, so we, that's hence the reason why the, the Australian sports tech um, was a little bit ahead of its time in that, in that AFL was, a, was fortunate enough to let them in and to do it versus soccer, for example, which wasn't um, wasn't as widely used. Uh, in terms of what we look at um, from a data point of view, obviously looking at we can predict, uh, like after ten years in the system, the sports scientists here, um, we can predict with with drill selection, we can get right down to you know the breakdown of how much high intensity running these guys are going to do, what volume they're going to do, how much change of direction they're going to do. Um, and predict that based on the you know the the length of time that they might spend in a drill. Um, so we're really prescriptive, um, and and then we can then because we're so strong with that number, we can then start to look well and quality assure the drill practices to make sure that we're actually getting what we want from a physical load. Um, and we do some really interesting work now um, to sort of traverse the the gap into coaching. So our, not only are we getting physical loads right, but we're actually getting the loads. Um, or the stimulus and the the representativeness in training that we need to get better as a football player. Um, so it's marrying the two together. So we're we are at that stage in our in our development as a football club. Um, so that doesn't go without the doesn't that doesn't happen without the coaches' involvement as well as as well as the other practitioners. Um, and then I think the 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 last and the uh, probably one of the sexier things that we do apart from GPS is. We, uh, we're very fortunate to have some great partners, um, industry partners that we work with towards like looking at, you know, the, I guess the common injuries and how do we prevent them? What are the baselines? What are the things which we which we need to know? So we we use a device called the Nord Board, which is uh, uh, using Nordic hamstring testing, which is looking at the eccentric um, strength of hamstring as a global as a global measure of strength, where we're pretty certain that, that if you're weaker, you're at more risk of injury. So we obviously want to manage that um, and quality control that. 
again, an example of that being embedded is that we'll use those exercises in our in our program. So whenever we use them in the program, we'll instrument it up and, and do it then as well. So that's 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 kind of how we do it. So the boys don't they're not doing extras with testing, it's all the same. When we spoke to you earlier in the year, um, one of the things that was really noticeable was the the dedication that you guys have got to player welfare. I mean, I, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise that the, the players are the thing that drive it, so you want to keep them healthy. Um, you, that's a great example of, um, of of something predictive around injury. Do you do you do a lot of other stuff around that? You're trying to to trying to to, to guess ahead at a player who might be headed for an injury. Yeah, look, we we're pretty we're pretty confident as a global, like you say, like a, a younger player. We just know that that they have to get to a certain level, or they're going to be more at risk of uh, a certain level of strength, or they're going to be at more at risk of of injury. The same, then that goes from a training volume point of view as well as from a um, a strength element point of view as well. So there's there's a lot that goes into into that. Um, we we do spend a lot of time working through what what is um, what's real, what's meaningful, what is it, what are the changes which are useful. Um, you know, we do our own calibration, we do our own reliability to make sure that our intertester reliability is is strong. And even because now that the players are that savvy with the, the interfaces, they pretty much do it themselves. So we're pretty confident that we're actually get when we see changes that that those changes are true changes. So that's that's been really interesting and that's something which um which is a, a little bit unique. And whenever I speak about this um, it, to other sports or to other practitioners, they're a little bit, they do get a little bit jealous that, that our guys are, you know, they do know what a small's worthwhile change is, or they, you know, they do know what a technical error is in a, in a, in a device. Um, and it, you know, it's really, it's really quite good from that point of view that sort of adds a, it reflects the, the um, I guess the attitudes that we've got at a, at a football club. It's pretty, pretty good from that point of view. So the, the the players are almost self-assessing on a regular basis, and yeah, yeah, look, and, and that's that they are, and they we we've created an environment where it's not about hand holding, hand holding, or being um, reliant on on a practitioner at any stage. So everyone takes responsibility for their own career and their own body. So if they're told to do something, they don't need someone to hold their hands and go through it. They just do it. Um, and that's driven from the, the exceptional senior group that we've got here of players um, down to the younger players who are incredibly talented and are learning the way. Um, so we're, we're very fortunate um, from that point of view as well. So we, we, we're we absolutely, and everyone knows that if they don't look after their welfare, that they won't get picked and they won't, you know, they won't fulfill their dreams selfishly um, so that, that they all know how to piece it all together, which is really quite cool. Right. Um, look, just circling back to player welfare, I, I understand it's very early days for this, but um, I know that sports teams are, are now using monitoring devices to try and collect information about head protection and concussion. Um, is is this a is this sort of a, a, a national or global effort that's being made to understand the science more around this? Yeah, a hundred percent. Whether it's from a, a detection of um, of concussion on the subsequent you know reevaluation to make sure that you're ready to get back to training or ready to return to play. Um, you know, we've had some really high profile examples of that um, recent over the last few years um, where we've had to sort of and that's an AFL-wide 
thing. We've also been included in some really interesting technology with mouth guards um, and looking at what is actually um, what is the accelerometer data data going you know whenever they are playing games. So that's really quite quite cool um, to be part of that science and part of that thinking. Um, there's a long way to go in, in every single one of these efforts to get better. But what I think we can we can pretty confidently sit here and say is that everybody is on the same page with this and no one wants to mess with um, this or push the boundaries to, you know, in any way towards being more aggressive with this. Um, we want to know more so that we can start to make better decisions. And that's we're probably in very early stages of some very, very interesting work in this in this space. Yeah, right. And, and that's something that obviously that's data collection that's just going to keep going and, and inform the effort more and more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think I have anything else. I mean, you know, we should, we should talk about the finals. I have to admit I'm a Sydney fan, so if Sydney yeah, can't uh, make it, then I want a Lira Lee to get through. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> are you, do, do you have any particular concerns at this stage of the season other than those that are public? I mean, the team looks fit and healthy. Uh, what sort of work do you do as you approach finals? Yeah, look, there's, there's a lot to um, a lot to be put in place, and I think I, I said it around our data collection a little bit, or around the program in general, is that we try to be as unflappable as possible, um, particularly with uh, these, these unprecedented times with COVID and and what we're, everyone's having to deal with um, day in day out at the moment. You know, in their everyone's lives, never mind in AFL, we all know that that's yeah, that, that the way they live in a bubble is such, um, quite literally sometimes as well as figuratively. Um, so what we've tried to do, what my overarching um, philosophy is that you create a system or you create an environment where no matter what you put into it, whatever stresses are in it, we'll be able to adapt to it. So, you know, simply that could be stuff like, you know, when a rule changes or whenever the coaches decide to play a different way. But now that that can be as much as, okay, we're going into a four-day break, which is unheard of in AFL, or a five-day break, or we're having to travel and day of game. Whatever it is, our players are are so resilient um, and uh, anti-fragile, to coin a, a, really, um, a, a really popular term at the moment. We're trying to create anti-fragile athletes that, that will bend to whatever situation and be able to adapt and, and thrive in it rather than just survive. Um, so that's what, we're, that's what we aim to do, um, um, and we create that by being unflappable, making really strong decisions based upon data that's in front of us, and just really communicating that and being very transparent about our decisions, and you know, and, and be willing to take feedback. Um, the players are the ones that have to be feel ready. Doesn't matter if I think that the numbers are right, if they don't feel ready on Saturday afternoon or Saturday night or whenever they're playing, that's the biggest. That's the biggest. Um, piece of information that we need to make sure that we get right. Um, so we'll do anything um, to get that. Yeah. Last year, there were, there were um, times of extended periods away from home for, yeah. for players, and obviously COVID was, a, was the new thing. No one, no one really knew what to expect. This year, it seems there seems to have been this real element of uncertainty um, with snap lockdowns and so on. Have, have you found it harder or easier or about the same this year? I think um, the snap lockdowns have been hard on everybody. The, yeah, I think if anyone follows the the news in FL, we were having to pack up and leave in an hour's notice mm. to then be told we were, we were okay and we could go back home. To then be told we had we were on the next flight out, um, that type of toing and froing that can be unnerving for everybody. Um, and I, I think the players have 
I've lived a, a lovely, beautiful, oblivious life to it all to a certain extent, um, and that's by by design as much as you know, as much as anything. You know, we don't want them to, to worry about the stuff that we need to, um, but. You know, it, it is a it's probably a logistical nightmare no matter where you're doing. Um, and uh, in terms of your swans, they've done so well after being away from um, for so long. And I know that their support staff are are doing an absolutely top notch job. And you know, they're, they're looking at the injury list today. They're pretty much got a full list. Everybody's ready to play finals, and and it's such a talented young list. So they've done done a great job to to get everybody in that position at the moment. So so well done, the swans. Hope they. I hope they do all right, but I hope they don't. I uh, hope we don't have to meet them in the in the finals. That's for sure. Well, I think we can say the same of of you and your staff, and you've you've had a fantastic year. Um, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. And um, yeah, it's been it's been really great. And, and I'd like to thank everyone that's been part of the partnerships, whether it's been internally or or externally, and and the work that you guys have been doing to get the message out there. It's been it's been brilliant. Thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Remember that you can head to cosmosmagazine.com via the link in the description for more great content. You can also subscribe to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's only science print magazine, and Cosmos Weekly, our online subscription-based deep dive into the biggest issues. You can watch and listen to all our Cosmos briefings via the link that you'll also find in the description. And remember, if you support science and its communication, please support our work at the Royal Institution of Australia. I'm Chuck Smeaton. Today's interview was hosted by Ian Canellan, and our executive producer is Catherine Roberts. Thank you 